Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Balaam Usitz, and I'm doing this podcast solo as I am doing it from the boat. So today, it's just going to be me and no Mike. You know, this is our podcast about sailing and cruising the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we'll talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Uh, Before we dive into this podcast or this episode, I just want to say a thank you to our supporters. We do this podcast because we enjoy making every episode just for our listeners. And several listeners have made a monthly financial contribution to help defray the cost of producing this podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, there's a link in the show notes to a support page on Anchor. And Anchor is the host of the podcast. Just click on the link and you can support the show on a monthly basis for a very small amount. And thanks again to all of our supporters. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Not just because I'm doing it solo, but I'm going to try to do a brief summary of each day I'm spending on the boat on this trip. So I'm also here solo on the boat as Elaine decided to stay home. You know, we'll be coming back uh, to the boat in about 10 days from now, and we'll be spending a solid three weeks here. And we were just here like a week ago for four days in that really hot weather, which I talked about in the previous episode. So what I plan to do is each day I'll do a little brief narrative of what I did that day. I hope this gives you, the listener, some insight into a typical day here on the boat. So let's dive in. Today, day one, is July 29th. It's a Friday. I departed from home around 9.30 this morning. It's usually about a three and a half to four hour drive uh, if there's no traffic. Uh, But with the trip I make, uh, it comes down uh, I-87, which is also called the Northway. If you remember, I live in upstate New York. I live about an hour north of Albany. So I first get on the Northway. Yeah, I get on the Northway and I go south. (laughs) So yeah, don't ask me why they call it the Northway, but it is. And then uh, I get over onto the Mass Pike and I spend most of the trip on the Mass Pike. And the Mass Pike is a crapshoot sometimes. Uh, But today the trip was uneventful. Uh, I stopped in Chicopee, Mass, at a Chick-fil-A there, which is right next to the Mass Pike. I hopped off of there. Got my uh, spicy chicken deluxe uh, meal, and uh, I got here to the marina around 1.30 this afternoon. And uh, so when I get here, what I do is I uh, load up the cart. So there's like these little wheelbarrow-like devices for those of you who who haven't been to a marina. Uh, It's sort of like a wheelbarrow that's made for marina. So you can pack all your things from the car, my clothes, the food. I always bring some tools. I can dump all that stuff into this little uh, cart and I can wheel it down to the boat uh, on the dock. And uh, so then when I get here, actually the first thing I do is I unlock the boat, of course. um, And then um, I open up all the hatches uh, to get it cooled off because it's a sunny day here today. So it was pretty warm down below. And then I turn on all of the breakers uh, for the lights, the fridge, the freezer, the water, the heads, etc. You know, when I leave the boat, uh, I turn everything off except for the battery charger. Uh, 
So uh, that way, you know, there's nothing that can go on. I leave it plugged in the shore power so the battery charger works and keeps the batteries charged, but everything is, excuse me, is fundamentally off, off on the boat. So I turn all that stuff on. And I also open up all of the seacocks. So uh, again, when I leave the boat, uh, when I close it up, when I leave, I close all of the seacocks. Uh, so that way, if a hose pops off of some place, you know, the boat's not going to flood. Um, and uh, what I do is uh, I turn on the fridge and the freezer, and then I sort of let them cool down for about an hour uh, before I load them up. And then what I typically do is I'll unpack all of the food. Uh, I'll put those into cabinets, uh, you know, the bread and the cereal and sort of those dry goods. Uh, we have a lot of great storage on this boat. Uh, and for those of you who don't remember, it's a 2009 Hunter 45 Dexalon. Uh, the storage on this boat just always amazes me. Uh, so I unpack all of the food. I'll load up the fridge and the freezer. Uh, and then I typically unpack my clothes. I bring my clothes in a duffel bag. Uh, and then what I do is uh, I have a lot of nice storage space for clothes in the, in the cabin, the master cabin. And I put my clothes away because picking stuff out of the duffel bag, it always gets mixed up and sh and wrinkled and all that kind of stuff. So I have some nice drawers I can put stuff into. Uh, and then it's organized. Then I know where my shirts are. I know where my pants are, my bathing suit, etc. So I always do that. And uh, I usually give the boat a good check over. Uh, you know, I walk around the boat on the deck, on the top sides, make sure everything looks okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, everything, everything looked fine. So one of the things that I want to do on this trip uh, particularly since I'm here solo, is I, I want to go out solo sailing. I, I've been out a couple times, and even uh, oftentimes when Elaine and I go out, I try to do everything. Uh, not because Elaine's not competent or capable, but I'm, I'm trying to hone my skills and figure out things like, you know, how can I dock the boat myself? How can I, you know, uh, reef the sail myself? How can I tack myself? And this just, it's all possible, but it just takes some sort of trying this technique and see how it works. And if it doesn't, modifying it a little bit. Uh, so that's one of my goals for this trip is, is to get out um, and sail solo. And I thought about doing it this afternoon, but in all honesty, I, I'm a bit picky about when I, when I go out solo. I don't want too much wind. Uh, and for me, too much wind solo is probably anything over 15 and and you might say oh 15 is not bad uh, at 15 um, the forces go up pretty high on all the sails and you know I'm in a bay so I have to look out for crab pots I got to look out for shallow spots it's not like I'm five miles offshore in the ocean where I have a lot of leeway to take my time and do things and figure stuff out so at least when I'm practicing new things and I'm trying new things out, uh, I like to go out when it's, you know, 15 or less. 10 to 15 is like perfect for me to go out solo. Now I'm very comfortable doing that. Uh, and, you know, the sailing part's the easy part. It's when the wind picks up. And, and here on the bay, Narragansett Bay, uh, the wind oftentimes picks up in the afternoon. And, and it can go from, you know, five knots to 20 knots in 10 minutes. And um, I don't want to be caught out solo when that happens. 
so it's, you know, reefing the main, uh, reefing the, the, the jib. Now, both of those are, are uh, roller reefing sails, so that's easy uh, in principle, and it's very easy when it's blowing 10 knots. <laughs> uh, but when it's blowing harder than that, again, you know, the pressures go up, the tensions all go up, and I've been trying to figure out how to use various different winches to help me assist in both bringing in the main, rolling up the main, and rolling up the jib as well. So um, I think, and, and the other thing that's a challenge when it starts getting windy is docking the boat. Uh, so on the boat myself, uh, and if there's no one here to catch lines, then you know all of that gets a little bit tricky. The boat has a fair amount of freeboard, so you know at my age of 68, um, I'm not jumping from the deck onto the dock. Uh, if I do, I'll probably end up having a fractured hip. So um, I, I sort of take that into consideration as well. But I think what I'll do is I, I will I will do a uh, separate episode about solo sailing and sort of what I've learned uh, in in the things I've tried and share some tips with with you guys, the listeners. So, but that's for another time. And today was a bit windy. Uh, the wind was blowing 15 to 20 all afternoon, uh, pretty much from the west and then to the south. Uh, so no solo sailing for me today. Um, you know, the last time we were here, uh, a, and it was really hot for like four days, we ran the air conditioning for four days solid. And I'll tell you, I'm a big fanatic about having a dry bilge. Don't ask me why. I, I don't have any rationale for it, but I just like a dry bilge. And this boat, when we first got it, it never had a dry bilge. And I couldn't figure out where the water was coming from. And then finally, uh, I figured out that this boat has some big plexiglass windows that wrap all around it, hence the name Dexalon. And so the light inside the cabin and the visibility in from inside is really great. You don't feel like you're down in a, in a submarine. Uh, you got great light. But these big plexiglass windows are fundamentally glued in. And over time and age and sun, the glue tends to break down. And where the water was coming into the bilge was when it would rain, the water would run down, leak through the window, then run down the inside of the hull down into the bilge. And if you remember, I did an episode on fixing those windows and resealing them, taking them off and rebedding them and resealing them. And uh, ever since then, I've had a bone dry bilge, which has made me very happy. However, the air conditioner, when you run the air conditioner, the condensate, all of the water that the air conditioner takes out of the air, has to go someplace and they just drain it into the bilge. So I think when we let, and, and you know, the, the, the bilge pump will take out everything except for the bottom inch. It just doesn't, I haven't found a bilge pump yet that will pump it out dry. So it leaves about an inch in there. And before we left last time, I kind of got in there with a, I have a little hand pump. I pump it into a bucket and dried it out with a sponge and it looked pretty good. Uh, and then my son actually took the boat out a few days ago. And there's some other nooks and crannies down in the bilge, uh, particularly when the water comes in from the air conditioning units, that water can pocket into. And when the boat leans or heels a particular way, then that water moves around. So when I got here, the bilge had maybe a quarter inch of water in it. And I pumped that out, dried it out. 
so um, that all that all looks pretty good right now uh, so I'm happy about that um, and that took me till about oh I think it was around four o'clock or so and uh, then I, I went for a run some of you may know I'm a, I'm a runner I've been running uh, since I was 30 years old I started when I was 30 I, I always played soccer uh, in high school and in college and then in men's leagues um, but uh, at 30 years old, um, I stopped playing in men's leagues and soccer because I wasn't very good, and I started running, and I've been running ever since. And uh, I probably now I run three, four, maybe five days a week, typically four miles. Some days I'll run five. If it's really hot, I'll only run three. Uh, but so anyway, I went for a run today, uh, which was really nice. And then there's a pool here at the marina. And uh, I uh, took a dip in the pool and uh, came back to the boat. Uh, I ordered an eggplant parm sandwich from Town Pizza, which is here in Barrington, Rhode Island. Great place for pizza and all sorts of uh, uh, Italian uh, dishes. Uh, they're excellent. I picked it up. I had dinner. And uh, then I sat down, jotted down a few notes, and uh, I'm recording this podcast. So um, that's pretty much typical day number one. Uh, tonight they're predicting some rain, uh, no big storms, but just some rain showers. So I'm going to have to close the hatches and stuff because uh, uh, otherwise the rain gets in. Um, and I think that's it for now. And uh, tomorrow I'll do an other narrative uh, at the end of the day. So hopefully... Tomorrow I can get a solo sail in. I'll, I'll try to do that in the morning when the winds typically are lighter. I also need to pump out. So uh, that's pretty easy because I can go over to the pump out dock and uh, there's always a, a dock person there who will catch the lines for me. So that makes that easy. And uh, I've had some, a couple of cabin light bulbs have burned out uh, this past uh, summer. So I ordered a bunch of LED replacements. Uh, two different sizes, and uh, so I'm going to try to install those tomorrow as well. And uh, that's the plan. So thanks for listening. Uh, stand right by uh, because uh, day number two will follow this immediately. Thanks. And take care. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to day two of my uh, three-day experience on Narragansett Bay solo um, on Paradox, my Hunter 45 Dexalon. So, this morning I woke up at 4:30. Uh, not because I had an alarm set, but I, that just happens to me sometimes. I I have this uh, habit of waking up early, and usually I can fall back asleep very quickly. But today, boy, I tossed and turned, and I couldn't. I just couldn't get back to sleep until about six. Uh, then when I did fall asleep, I was pretty sound. Uh, I got up just a little bit before 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, had a quick breakfast, and um, then uh, I went over to the pump-out dock uh, to get pumped out. And uh, Paradox has a, I think it's a 55-gallon holding tank, so a pretty good-sized tank. And what I typically do is once it starts getting about half full, I have a little gauge on it that tells me how full it is. Once it gets up to a, about half full, I like to get pumped out. And and the reason for that is uh, last year, the pump out broke uh, and it was down for like two weeks. 
and there is no other place that's very close to, to have a pump out. So I sort of anticipate that and I had time and it's pretty easy to do. Uh, so I went over there, got pumped out and wouldn't you know it, uh, when I got back later in the day, uh, all the pump out, there's actually three of them here. Uh, they're all one system, but three sort of hoses that you can pump out with. All three of them were, were broken. So the, the pump out is, uh, broken and uh, so I'm glad I got pumped out this morning. Um, I will say that Rhode Island does a very nice job at that. Uh, the pump out is free. Uh, you don't have to pay for it and uh, it's actually open when it's working. It's open 24 hours a day here at the arena so you can go over there anytime you want and just turn it on and it's self-service uh, and, and pump out. So that's great. So while I was over there um, pumping out I was talking to the dock master uh, his name is Kenny. Great guy. Uh, been here a long time. Uh, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. This, this guy has been in the boating industry uh, since he was a young lad. And uh, he's, I think, pretty close to my age. My guess is he's in his maybe early 60s, late 50s. And um, uh, he would just be a great person to have as a guest. And we're, we're working on trying to get that cleared through corporate uh, because um, we're part of the safe harbor family of marinas and uh, it's a big corporation so anyway uh, he tells me that today july 30th is aquapalooza and i said well, what's that and he goes well potter's cove uh, they have a big big party down there and there's hundreds of boats that go down there for the day and um, they sort of have a big get together and it's a wild party and it's just crazy and um and I said to myself, hmm, um, I was thinking of actually going to Potter's Cove. I've been there before. It's a nice place to drop the hook for lunch or go swimming or whatever. Uh, and it's about, uh, yeah, depending upon the wind, you know, two hours sail from the marina. And um, But I said, nah, if it's Aquapalooza, I'm not going there. Uh, that's not for me. So I probably pulled out of the marina around nine o'clock in the morning after the pump out and talking to Kenny for a little bit. And uh, the wind was from the north, uh, which is uh, nice for heading south because I head south uh, when I leave the marina typically. That was about five to 10 knots. Uh, I had a great sail south, man. It was just pleasant. Uh, I had the wind probably at about, uh, oh, one, 160 uh, degrees and I could just go straight down the bay. Uh, man, but I'll tell you, there was a lot of traffic, uh, just about, uh, half an hour, 45 minutes south of the marina, there's Conicut Lighthouse, which is a, there's a big sandbar that comes out from the western side of the bay. And it comes out almost three quarters of the way across the bay. And, uh, at low tide, you can actually see most of the sandbar. So there's a lighthouse out on the tip of that that's been there for many, many years. But it serves as sort of a little pinch point uh, for traffic because the bay is, other than that, the bay is pretty wide. But this kind of funnels stuff through there. And, and man, there was a lot of boat traffic and everyone's zipping down. And I, they all looked like they were going to Potter's Cove because most of the boats had, you know, it wasn't one or two person per boat. It was five or six people packed on a boat, the loud music playing. And uh, it was, I thought I was driving on I-95. It was, it was remarkable the amount of traffic I saw. I don't think I've ever seen that much traffic uh, anytime I've been out on the bay here. 
Uh, but anyway, had a nice sale. Uh, they were respectful. They kept their distance, uh, most of them, <laughs> and uh, gave me. Uh, didn't didn't I didn't have to change or alter course for anybody, as I was sailing. Uh, you know, by 11 o'clock, the wind had now increased to 15 or 20 knots, still from the north. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's okay. Uh, and uh, I guess I got to Prudence Island. I got to the north part of Prudence Island, which is, which is the island that Potter's Cove is on. Potter's Cove is uh, maybe a quarter mile from the northern tip or maybe a half mile from the northern tip of Prudence Island. So I sailed to about the northern tip of Prudence Island. The bay's nice and wide there, and I just sort of sailed around there for a while as the wind was sort of increasing. And uh, I guess around 12.30, maybe 1 o'clock, something like that, I started heading back north. Uh, so now I'm tacking uh, back and forth, going up the bay. Um, but that was pretty nice. Uh, it was going well. And the wind kept building, still from the north. And now it's doing a steady 20 knots. And uh, I got the main reefed in uh, about halfway. Um, I got probably three-quarters of the jib still out. And, um, but you know, and I, and I have a, I have a great technique for bringing in the main solo and it is a, a, a roller reefing main. So it rolls up into the mast and, uh, I have a technique that works quite well for that. Um, and I've been, I've been working on a new technique for rolling up the jib. Um, and I got to practice that today in, in 20 knots of wind. And, um, it, it just worked great. I was I was really happy. It was very controlled, very smooth. The jib's not flapping around back and forth like sometimes it does. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, I will have a separate episode about solo sailing and things I've learned and sort of, you know, pass that stuff along on to you guys. So keep an eye out for that. It'll be out probably relatively shortly after this episode. Um, probably about the last third of the way back to the marina uh i i started motoring uh because the other thing is when you're by yourself i got a lot of prep stuff to do um both when i leave the marina and on my way back so i got to put out all the fenders um i got to get all the dock lines ready and here again typically again i'm, I'm coming into my slip solo so i have to have dock lines sort of positioned in such a way that if I hop off the boat and I'm on the dock, I can reach and grab a dock line uh, that's attached to the boat. So I sort of did all of that stuff. Uh, and I'll talk about that also in my, um, in my solo sailing um, episode. And I think I got back uh, to the slip around three o'clock. Um, you know, after that motoring, and it takes me a while to sort of get all the stuff prepped. And there's a pretty long channel that goes into the marina. So that in itself takes about 10 minutes uh, to, to pass through. Uh, so anyway, got back around uh, 3 o'clock into the slip. That all went nice and smooth. I sort of buttoned up the boat. And uh, then what I did was I headed over to my son's house, who lives uh, very close to the marina here in Barrington. And uh, he had a project on the house he wanted some help with. Uh, him and his wife bought an old house, uh, and they've been sort of uh, refurbishing it. So there was a project he wanted a little hand with. And uh, so worked on that. Uh, then I had dinner over at their house. And, of course, the highlight of going to see them is 
Uh, they have a 14-month-old daughter, so I got to spend uh, some great time with my granddaughter, and that's and that's always a treat. Uh, I got back to the boat at about 7:30. I went up uh, to the showers. They have some nice showers here at the marina. Uh, I took a shower. It was pretty hot today, so I I needed to take a shower for sure. And uh, now I'm recording the podcast. Uh, so. Uh, Tomorrow looks like the wind in the morning is going to be from the north. And then in the early afternoon, it's going to shift to the south. So depending upon, uh, I use windy and predict wind. I sort of look at those to kind of figure out what's going to happen wind-wise. They they're both work great. Uh, but that's what it looks like it's going to happen tomorrow. So I'm going to try to go out in the morning, uh, but we'll see. So stand by for what tomorrow brings. I'll have another update uh, at the end of the day tomorrow. So signing off for now. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, talk to you tomorrow. Hey, so I'm back again. Welcome to day three of my uh, trip down to the boat solo. And uh, I just was going to have been doing a sort of a narrative each day. Uh, to just to kind of fill your folks in, fill in the listeners on sort of what it's like here and uh, what I do on a typical trip down here. So this is day number three. Uh, I woke up around 6.30 this morning and uh, sprung out of bed and like I normally do. And at seven o'clock, I went for a run uh, with my son uh, who lives out here in Barrington. Uh, and his daughter is 14 months old and she usually wakes up around six o'clock or six thirty, and my son's wife is working today so he has uh, baby duty and um, they often run together as a family uh, both my son and my daughter-in-law are both runners pretty serious and um, they take their daughter with her so they have one of those large wheeled uh, baby strollers that are made for kind of pushing when you run it's kind of purpose designed for that and uh, I tell you, my granddaughter is just happy as a clam when she sits in there. Uh, she loves going for a run with them. She has her little bowl of a uh, little cup of Cheerios and one of those kind of spill-proof cups. Real clever idea with a, with a little sippy cup for drinking water. And she just sits in there and sings to herself and just has a blast. So um, we, we really had a good time, had a nice run together. And then after our run, I uh, went back to the marina. Uh, I took a quick shower and uh, then had breakfast. Um, you know, so my plan for the day, I think as I spoke about it uh, yesterday, was to see if I could sail around Prudence Island. So Prudence Island is one of the bigger islands in Narragansett Bay. And actually Narragansett Bay is full of islands, uh, big islands. So it's, it's not like these little tiny ones, but you know, like Newport is actually on an island. Uh, and then there's Prudence Island, and, and there's a whole bunch, and there's several more, and I don't know all their names. Um, but it's a pretty big, pretty big island, and, and my plan was to see if I could sail around, circumnavigate, if you will, Prudence Island uh, solo. And uh, so when I got back to the marina, finished my shower, had breakfast, um, there's no wind. And it wasn't predicted to really start filling in till about 11 o'clock. So I really wasn't in a rush. 
I had planned out uh, the distance and stuff to go around Prudence Island uh, from the marina. It's about 29 nautical miles, uh, according to uh, Navionics, which is an app that I use on a tablet. Uh, I also have a chart plotter, but I use that app for planning purposes. The user interface is, is really great, and Navionics hit the ball out of the park uh, with, uh, with this product. So, um, and that 29 nautical miles, of course, is assuming you don't need to tack back and forth, and the wind was predicted to fill in from the south, and so the first half of the trip, uh, at least north-south distance-wise, is all into a headwind because Narragansett Bay basically runs north-south. Um, so there was lots of tacking, uh, or there will be lots of tacking, and there was lots of tacking on the first half of the trip. So I left the marina around 10 o'clock, and again, there was no wind, and sure enough, um, around 11 o'clock, uh, the wind start filling in, and uh, by 11.30, it was blowing between 15 to 20 knots uh, pretty consistently, all from the south. Um, and so, you know, as soon as it started filling in, hoisted sails. And I will tell you that I counted them. It took me 17 tacks to make it to the south tip of Prudence Island. Um, you know, I'm not a racing sailor. I don't have a racing boat. You know, it doesn't point super great. I don't have super sails on it and I can make all those excuses uh, but my skill level's low so I, I didn't make as much headway as I'm sure an experienced sailor could uh, but anyway I made 17 tacks and I'll tell you that's a lot of tacking single-handed um, I do have an autopilot on the boat and if I push two buttons at the same time the boat will actually tack It'll turn, uh, I think, uh, 65 degrees, I think. Yeah, 60 degrees, uh, either to the left or the right So to do attack. Uh, so that, that's kind of a nice feature, uh, and I use that. And that way I can just hit those two buttons and I can concentrate on managing the jib sheets, and I don't really have to worry about getting the boat to turn and not overturning it or underturning it, and et cetera. And I use the auto tack feature, I think about 50% of the time. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. This is really the first time I used it a lot. And, um, but I also like to, to tack myself uh, to get the feel of it and you know, kind of bounce back and forth between those two things. Um, so that was pretty good. I, I had some pretty good long uh, tacks, if you will, in a certain direction, not having to tack all the time back and forth. Uh, and, you know, one of the challenges single-handed is uh, particularly in crowded coastal waterways is going below to get something, right? Leaving the cockpit, uh, like going to the head <laughs> or making a snack or lunch or, you know, f forgetting your hat and jumping down below to get it. Uh, I'm always nervous about leaving, leaving the cockpit uh, because it's amazing how fast things can spring up on you. And the other thing is there's crab pots here in Narragansett Bay, and you can only see them maybe 50 meters away if you're lucky. And if it's windy and the waves are big, it's even harder to see them. So I, I'm always nervous about, you know, going down below. And uh, But anyway, um, I think it was around 1 o'clock. I was on a, a long 
I had a long, probably 15, 20-minute tack here. There wasn't a lot of traffic in this part of the bay. So I dipped down. I, I made myself a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich um, and uh, had, a, had my lunch up in the cockpit. Um, I, I, what I tr usually do is I, I pre-prepare some snacks uh, and drinks so that, you know, I can just zip down to the fridge, take something out, and be back up in the cockpit really quick. Um, if you're out in open water, that's less of an issue because there's no one around. But here in, in more confined spaces with lots of power boats zipping by you and stuff, um, and sailboats and having to figure out the right-of-way rules and all that kind of stuff, I, I really don't like doing that. So anyway... Um, I uh, finally rounded the southern tip of Prudence Island around 2.30. Um, and so then I was basically had downwind run, right? I had the wind at my back. And I made it all the way back to the marina just doing one jibe. So it was a pretty relaxing sail on the way back. Uh, I think I averaged five to five and a half knots. Um, and, you know, just a leisurely sail back. I was probably, the wind was probably at 160. I don't, I don't go dead downwind because I'm always worried about an accidental jibe. So I tend to go, you know, 160, 200 degrees, something like that um, when, I'm, when I'm going downwind. And um, so that was, that was pretty good. And, you know, the wind stayed true to Narragansett Bay patterns which is it blew 15 to 20 knots all afternoon. It started at 11 o'clock, and when I got back to the marina, it was still blowing at 10 to 15 knots. And right now at uh, 8.30 p.m., as I record this, it's still blowing uh, 15 to 20 knots out there, and you might hear some wind noise in the background here. I have all the hatches open to cool the boat off. It was a pretty warm day today. And the other interesting thing today was two interesting things, actually. Uh, the radio, the marine radio was busy. Uh, I think there was four dinghies found adrift today. Uh, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> and, and they weren't all like, you know, in one particular spot. One was real close to wh where I was uh, when I was approaching the north end of Prudence Island on my way down south. But the others were scattered about Buzzards Bay and one out in Martha's Vineyard, I think. So I don't know what was going on, but the people were reporting, hey, I just found this dinghy out and drifting around and they reported to the coast guard and sometimes you know two minutes later you'd hear hey that's my dinghy i've been looking for it for the last two hours so uh, i think all the dinghies were eventually claimed and re returned to their rightful owners um but that was just sort of interesting i i've never heard that before uh, at least certainly not that many uh dinghies being adrift it was pretty windy so i can imagine particularly if you're towing your dinghy I could see how, you know, you're concentrating on sailing and where you're going and something comes unbuttoned, uh, one of your knots doesn't hold and your dinghy's gone if you're towing it. So um, anyway, uh, four of them were missing. Uh, the other interesting thing was at about two o'clock, I think it was, I hear this call to the Coast Guard where a boater is reporting that there's a sailboat up on the sandbank uh, at Connecticut Lighthouse. So that's really, un no, I shouldn't say you, it's, it's unusual. I've never seen it before. But Connecticut Lighthouse is about two miles south of the marina, 
uh, where I keep the boat. So I've been by it many, many times. And the lighthouse sits in, in the bay, and it's about one-third of the way due west from the eastern shore. Um, and everything west of the lighthouse is shallow water. There's just a big sandbar that goes from the western shore two-thirds across the bay right out to this lighthouse. And I think in other podcasts, I've said that this is oftentimes a, a, a traffic jam because it's a narrow spot in the bay and there's a lot of traffic heading north-south and everyone's got to go into this sort of narrow chute. Uh, but clearly, this people on this sailboat didn't know about that. Um, and um, and I tell you, the water is really shallow there. I mean, it's like at low tide, you can almost walk all the way out to the lighthouse. And I think if you're willing to get wet up to your waist, you can walk all the way out to the light, lighthouse. Now, people have done that. It's very dangerous because the tide comes in pretty fast. And people, I think last year, a couple, a couple of kids... Uh, got swept away, and I think one of them drowned. So it, clearly not something you want to do. But I don't, you know, I, I don't want to use the word negligence, but gosh, how can you run aground there? If you've looked at a chart, which you got to look at a chart when you're, when you're sailing in coastal waters because there's all sorts of stuff you got to avoid, and not everything is marked, right? So you, you got to, like, right, they don't mark the shallow sandbar there's not you know danger buoys there there's just the lighthouse the channels to the east side of the lighthouse that's clearly marked because it's a deep shipping channel for the big ships but if you look at a chart you'll clearly see it's really shallow there so man and you know you can get a free navigation app for your phone that'll give you sort of basic charts for free so how somebody did that, I don't know what was going on. Maybe, maybe they were down below making a sandwich or something, and uh, they didn't see where they were going. But um, so that was at 2 o'clock, and I think I was returning on the way back to the marina. I went by Connecticut Lighthouse, I think around 4, and sure enough, the boat was still there. I think low tide was around 3 or so. So if they ran aground at 1, it wasn't at all, full low tide. Uh, so at four, the tide was still pretty low. Uh, the boat was clearly up out of the water. You could see the water line was not where the water line should be. Uh, and the bow was sort of out of the water. Uh, it looked like there was two people sitting on it, sitting in the cockpit. I imagine they were waiting for the tide to come back in. And uh, luckily, as the tide comes in, the direction of the current's going to hopefully push them off of the off of the sandbar because they hit it from the north and the, and the tide will be the current tidal current will be flowing north so they were headed south uh, when they ran aground and the tidal current will be flowing north and hopefully push them off well i think high tide is around nine o'clock tonight so it'll be interesting to see if they're there tomorrow or not i, I wish them luck you know i i don't wish that to happen to anybody i mean it's i mean it, it was about a 30 foot sailboat so i mean it was a nice boat it looked relatively new uh when i went by it and i checked it out with the binoculars people just were sitting there chit-chatting uh they clearly didn't need any help um or they didn't want any help um but you know gosh you just don't you just don't wish that on anyone so uh let's see i got back to the marina around 5 30 
Uh, got the boat docked myself, so I've gotten relatively good with that. Uh, knock on wood. I think uh, you know eight out of ten times it's pretty nice and smooth and flawless, and the other two times it's sometimes not so smooth and flawless. A lot of it depends on the direction of the wind. Um, and uh, when I have it, when there's a southerly wind, even if it's really blowing, um, it goes really well because the the wind sort of swings my bow in exactly the direction I need it. Uh, I, I go stern too, and my slip faces south. So it just works out really well. So I got back to the marina at 5.30, uh, and it was a great day. You know, I had lots of fun. Uh, this was sort of my first really big solo sail. Uh, maybe to you solo sailors out there, this sounds, you know, like uh, beginners, and it is. It's not a big solo trip. <coughs> But uh, I really got a lot of practice on my solo sca sailing skills, you know, getting the sails out, putting the sails away, tacking, jibing. Not a lot of jibing practice, but I got some in there. And it was blowing pretty good. So that's always ups the ante. You know, if it's, if it's 10 knots, all of the stuff I did today was pretty easy. But when it's, when it's pushing 20 knots, I think I saw 22 a couple times. That that makes things a little more interesting you know the forces are greater the winds are are whipping around and um, it just ups ups the ante i guess is the best way to say it so um, i think my next step is i'm going to try to plan a longer trip uh i don't know what longer means yet <laughs> but uh i gotta figure out what that is so that wraps up day three and uh tomorrow uh, i will uh, pack up the boat and uh, head home, make sure everything's secure, and uh, head home. So that'll be it uh, uh, tomorrow. That'll be my fourth day, and uh, it uh, usually takes me about, oh, an hour or so, maybe an hour and a half to get packed up, uh, close everything, go through my checklist, and make sure the boat's secure. So we'll see what tomorrow brings. I'll, uh, I'll do a quick little brief report on that uh, uh, after I'm done tomorrow. Okay, so here we are. Uh, the next morning, day four, uh, I got the boat uh, packed up, or I'm in the process of packing it up. And uh, what I did is when I came back from uh, yesterday's trip, you know, I was on battery power out on the water all day. And when I came back last night, I did not plug in uh, to shore power. I wanted to get a feel for how long the batteries are lasting. I put new batteries on it last summer, uh, lead acid batteries. So I have about 400 amps of uh, battery capacity for the house side, and they're new new last year. And uh, so I just ran everything last night on the battery all day yesterday while I was out sailing, including the autopilot, you know, everything, and last night all the lights, et cetera. And uh, got up this morning, and batteries look good. You know, I made breakfast. I used the microwave oven, et cetera, and the, and the inverter, and all that looked fine. So I had enough capacity left, no problem. So I'm going ready to leave, and uh, I turn on, I plug in the shore power, and I turn on the battery charger. And uh, turns on fine, and, you know, I have a little gauge indicator panel uh, that tells me that uh, it's really charging. You know, it's putting out a lot of, I think it puts out like 130 amps, and it's putting out maximum amperage to charge the batteries uh, I guess as fast as uh, it can or it needs to. And uh, after about, oh, 10 minutes or so, I peered over at it and there was a, a red light blinking. 
on my little uh, indicator. You know, hmm, what's that? And it, and it says overheat. So I go, hmm, that's weird. That's never happened before. And then I got to think about it a little bit. And I said, you know, normally when I'm charging the battery, particularly when I come back from a trip, um, I can hear the in, a fan in the inverter turn on, like it's a cooling fan. So I didn't hear that. And uh, I go to do some investigating. And uh, sure enough, uh, the, uh, the battery charger, it's a combination charger and inverter, and uh, it's a Xantrax 25, a Xantrax Freedom 25 is the brand. Um, and it's underneath one of the seats on the settee. And so I, you know, uncover it and I go down there and it's pretty warm. And um, so I go, hmm, and I don't hear the fan running. So I got to do a little bit of investigating into this and uh, chase it down and figure it all out. Uh, I'm sure that it, uh, hopefully it's just a fan and that's something I can replace. Uh, hopefully it's not a temperature sensor, which may get a little more complicated. Uh, the access looks so-so. I may have to tear part of the seat apart to get to it. I don't know. But stand by. I will do another episode on that experience uh, and what I find and discover. So uh, thanks for listening in for these four days. I think uh, that'll wrap this up. I'm going to, uh, now that I think I know what it is, uh, I leave the battery charger off and uh, I'll button up the boat and um, head home in a little while. So thanks again for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a little different than what we normally do. Uh, and, you know, I like to try different things. Um, so let us know. Let us know if you liked it or if you prefer the other ones that we do. Uh, we do these for you, the listener. So always looking forward to hearing from you. And several of you have written us very nice emails. Uh, some of you asked me for some of my checklists which I sent out to a couple listeners. Uh, I think in one of my other episodes, I mentioned I have checklist for uh, opening up the boat, for closing the boat, uh, for pre-sale checklist, so things like that. Um, so if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do it is via email. And our email is sailingtheeast, it's all one word, sailingtheeast at gmail.com. So, hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting app. And if you know of someone that would make a good guest for the show, let me know. Um, I'd love to interview them and have them on the show and, and get the benefit of their wisdom and experience uh, for all of our listeners. Uh, you know, the month of August, we're going to be out sailing, I think, for three out of the four weeks. Uh, we're going to have various family members joining us for several days at a time. So if you're sailing around there Narragansett Bay, let me know, and maybe we can uh, share an anchorage uh, or at least uh, say hello to each other. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. <music>